and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday normal rhythms of life. Gentlemen, would you introduce yourselves? Kevin Kenor, Biblical Counselor. Sam Schmidt, Pastor of Sacred City Moline. Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast, guys. We are working through Donald Whitney's book, The Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. We are almost through. Just to uh, share kind of full transparency, we're skipping one of these disciplines. He has the discipline, spiritual discipline of journaling. And, um, you know, honestly, I'm not a big, big, that big of a fan of journaling. And I don't really think there's that much compelling evidence in the scriptures to actually journal. Um, You know, writing down what God told you as, uh, uh, you know, anointed and divinely inspired author of a scripture is different than uh, just us writing down our own thoughts and journaling. Now, some people like journaling, and if you do, great. Um, The men around this table, we have not, we don't journal much, and uh, I've tried it in the past, but have never really Mm. found it to be much of much benefit to me. And so we don't really journal very much. So we decided just not to talk about it and to skip it. Now, if you want us to dig down into that um, and, and you've got some questions, we can do that. But we decided to skip it and go to the next one, which is learning. And learning is one of our key identities that we talk about a lot at Sacred City. So we say the gospel changes us um, and, and changes our identity into family, into missionary, into servants, and into learners. And learner is just, an, you know, one of the ways that you translate the word disciple. So a disciple is someone who follows a mentor, follows a teacher, follows um, <clears throat> a sage back in the day. Uh, um, I, uh, you know, and, and so Jesus said, come follow me. And he called his followers disciples. And what he was saying is, learn of me follow my way of life. Um, the, I can't just teach you this in a classroom. I want you to learn how to live all of life with uh, the gospel at the center as Jesus Christ, as, as your Lord. And so one of the thing, one of the ways God changes us is he radically reorients our identity towards that of a learner, right? And so personally, I was a terrible learner. I was a horrible student. I was, you know, that quintessential young man who was full of, some people call it full of beans. I was full of um, angst. I was, I had ADHD, which the psychologist said was off the charts. I was told that I'd probably wind up in prison. (laughs) My parents were told that as a child because my ADHD was so off the charts. I was wild. I loved gym class and recess, and that was pretty much, and tormenting my teachers. That's mm. what I loved to do. And so I don't remember reading a book until I became a Christian at 17 or, or 18 years old. But I don't remember reading the Bible. I don't remember reading anything. I was outside. I was in the trees. I was in the woods. I was playing football, wrestling. I was just being wild. But when God saved me at 17, one of the things he did was put a kind of insatiable desire in my heart to learn the Bible. 
And what that looked like for me was immediately I bought a Bible, a, one that I could understand. I, it was study Bible. I began reading that Bible voraciously from cover to cover over and over and over again. And I would just wake up every single morning and read a little bit of that Bible. And, and, and that's what I did. And then <clears throat> someone gave me, a, a pastor, <laughs> he gave me the Left Behind series. That's what he gave me, okay? Mm. <clears throat> he gave me the Left Behind series. Fic- if you don't know what the Left Behind series is, I do not recommend it. It is a view of the, it's a fictional book, but it's based on a view of the end times that we do not espouse and we do not think is bi- biblical, biblically accurate here. But it's all about the rapture and it's all about the end times and it's all about Christians getting zapped up into heaven off this planet and leaving this earth um, for basically Satan and the Antichrist and a few unlucky souls to figure their way out around the Antichrist. But it was interesting and it was compelling. And so I read it from cover to cover, all of them. And that started me, excuse me, on a path of reading and, and learning. And then thankfully, probably five or six years later, somebody actually started putting good books in my hands. And, but that, that's how I kind of stepped into becoming a learner. And now, you know, I read a lot. I read between 50 and 70 books a year. I read, you know, pretty dense stuff. I read uh, a lot of theology. I read, you know, political stuff. I read economic stuff. I read all kinds of stuff from a biblical Christian worldview. So now reading has become easy for me, enjoyable for me, and an, uh, an aspect of my normal life that I see as central to following Jesus. What about you guys? How have you guys experienced this identity of learner and this discipline, the spiritual discipline of being a learner? I'd say that my story lines up a lot like yours too. At school, I, I didn't like reading. I didn't like learning that much. And then in college, uh, I started taking my faith seriously. The Lord moved in my life in a way that I had to be in the Bible. I, I couldn't wait to get back to my dorm room and read my Bible. And it sounds kind of nerdy and stuff, but there's just a season where the Lord did something in me that wasn't there before. And, and then similarly, uh, I kind of got put on to sort of your generic, like family Christian bookstore, mainstream Christian reading. Mm-hmm. And then that got me pushed even further into some more theological works that I just started reading and learning and still love to read and learn today. And whether it's through, uh, actually sitting and reading or podcasts or other means that, content gets through my brain and I get to wrestle with it and think about it and question the implications and what does this mean for life. I, I, it's something that I don't, I don't think I at any point mustered up in myself. It's, I felt like it was really the spirit that inclined me towards that. And so um, I do see it as really a foundational piece for my own discipleship of constantly growing in my understanding um, and then working out. So it's not just a headspace thing, but it gets to the heart, gets into the hands. How does it affect life? So similar. That's good. I mean, same for me. I mean, I, I was not a person that was a student. I just wanted to play play ball. That was my passion. Um, so I would play football nonstop, basketball. I would wrestle. Um, but at the same time, like, I didn't grow a passion for anything that was um, in school at all, you know. So my passion was football until, of course, giving my life to Christ. And that's when, um, in the midst of that, is when I started growing a passion to know who God is on a wider and deeper level. Yeah, and for me... I'm uh, the blessing of blessing and the curse of being the nerd of the group, right? So 
always loved learning, loved reading, loved consuming information. But for me, it was more um, broadly anything and everything. So when when the Lord brought me to faith, um, I felt behind, right? I felt way behind where I should be. And so just the love of learning came out and, and voraciously reading it's like some guys like, oh, this is a systematic theology. Like, oh, great. I'll take three, you know. And so just kind of that kind of like Tate's saying, right. So it became more focused on on Christ. So, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking a couple things. Um, number one, I think a love for learning, it begins with inquisitiveness and the and the reality that, oh man, I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm. <clears throat> like there's a genuine sense of, I don't know what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Jesus taught about sex. I don't know what Jesus taught about masculinity. I don't know what Jesus taught about politics. I don't know what the scripture teaches about this. What is the thing called covenant? What is this Old Testament about? What is this New Testament about? What is, what is the end times about? What is eschatology? Like I started getting hearing words and bumping into people that had perspectives and Mm. well, Martin Luther thought this of the, of the Lord's supper and John Calvin thought this of the Lord's supper and Zwingli thought this of the Lord's supper. What do you think about the Lord's supper? And I'm like, Oh, it was just like, I was Mm. confronted with all of these things, all of these conversations that have been going on historically for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't aware of it. Right. And I was just kind of like, most people, I was watching the news and I was watching popular culture and popular television. And I was just kind of, I just had a, you know, Midwestern sensibilities, let's say. And then I started saying, okay, there's a biblical worldview out there and I don't know what it is. And so I, I want to know what it is. Mm. So if Jesus Christ is Lord, and by that we mean that he is our King, he is our sovereign that we're to take every thought and make it captive to the scriptures, well, I better know what the scriptures are, mm-hmm. right? I, I better know what those things are. And so um, so that kind of inquisitiveness and sense that I, you know, I, did, I just didn't know. Yeah. That kind of drove me to the, to, to the scriptures and, and to books. I think one thing that made me want to pursue learning more was seeing, seeing guys that could respond well to questions, to see that they've put in the work, they've studied, they were able to give a response that was well thought out and articulate. Mm-hmm. That It's like, oh, I, I want to be able to do that. Like, I want to be able to, to tap into wisdom. And if people were to ask me questions, to actually give them something of value than, than just my opinion. Um, and so when I would see guys do that, I was like, dang, like, sign me up for that. What books are you reading? I want to read them too. So it's just kind of a, maybe maybe it was jealousy in some sense, but it was it was something that pushed me into that. Yeah, well, scripture says we're we're to give an answer to anyone who basically has questions, or or um, when somebody wants to know about our faith, or somebody has an alternate view, we're supposed to be able to give an answer. That's that's where we get that word um, apologia or apologetics from, and that means you need to know their argument. You need to know their thoughts. Sometimes you need to know the roots of their thoughts, what stream of either philosophy or uh, worldview that that's coming from. And then you got to know the scripture and then you got to be able to articulate it. Right. And you got to think logically and rationally. And then you got to be able to put together an argument that 
counters it, right? And yeah. so that that takes learning. Now, there is a difference between learning and schooling, Amen. all right? Like the goal of learning is to develop wisdom. Yeah. We have a whole book, we have several books in the Bible that are about, they're called the wisdom literature. They're about gaining wisdom, which is, wisdom is the ability to take a biblical worldview and live in line with it, in with with the grain of the universe. So mm. God built the universe with certain principles, let's say, and wisdom works in line with those principles. So when you when you live a wise life, you're living in line with the way God made the universe. Okay, so wisdom t- wisdom uh, has to do with how you deal with your finances. Wisdom deals with how you are built as a sexual creature and how you're meant to live in line with that, with, with God's standards and the way he made the world and how you're meant to disciple your children, um, how you're meant to love your wife, what kind of wife you should choose. That's a wisdom issue that's in the scripture. Like, you know, you, you, if you're a wise man, you don't choose a contentious wife, right? And the Proverbs talks about a, a contentious argumentative woman is like a constant dripping of, of rain. Yeah. Yeah. So a wise man doesn't do that, right? A wise man doesn't pursue an immoral woman. A wise man doesn't spend all of his money. He saves his money. Yeah. Now, all of that is in this rubric of learning or, or following Jesus. And we see Jesus as the quintessential learner which is hard to understand because we know in his godness, he knew everything. But he set aside that attribute in some way when he became a man and he had to grow in wisdom and stature Mm -hmm. and favor with both God and man, the scriptures say. Mm -hmm. Which means Jesus did not come into the world pre-programmed with the Old Testament downloaded into his psyche. Mm -hmm. Like his first word was, you know, Psalm 119, just quotes it all. Mm. First word just drops the longest chapter in the Bible. No, he had to learn it. We see him when he's 12 years old, you know, he gets lost in the temple. He's at the temple. He's hearing, he's memorizing, he's learning, he's arguing, he's practicing his his rhetoric, uh, his ability to take in an argument, to, to break apart that argument, to think rationally and logically, and then to push back against some of his teachers and challenge them probably in kind of like a Socratic fashion. Like that's how Jesus learned to be the world's best public speaker. Yeah. Right. Jesus was that guy that you were terrified to rebut him. You're t- you should have been, it, some of them weren't, but you should have been terrified to go, I don't know, Jesus. Like you're pushing it back and Jesus is like, and he's just, he's a wordsmith. Yeah. And I think what's so cool about that too is like even when you are reading Bob Jesus, like he was as much as a student of the scriptures as he was with the people. And I think a lot of people are, are really good students uh, when it comes to, uh, I'm going to grab this book, I'm just going to read and I'm, I got all this knowledge. But then they don't, they don't know how to apply it and they don't know how to live it out in, amongst people. So then that's where there's always an issue because they were never students of the people. And God did that, Jesus did that perfectly. And it was just, it was played out so smoothly. Yeah. So again, I would say that's, that's a wisdom piece. Wisdom is learning how the world works. And by that, 
when you say learning people, I would say the scriptures teach us what people are like. Mm-hmm. It gives us what we would call an anthropology. Yeah. That we would say we're born in sin, right? That changes the way we view people. Mm-hmm. That changes the way we counsel people. That yeah. changes the way we address people. But we're, we can be redeemed in Christ, right? Yeah. So uh, when you have, when you, when you understand what the scriptures teach about the human condition, yeah. that should inform how you interact with people and you understand even arguments mm-hmm. because we're taught that there's stuff that goes under the surface of people. Like we want to repress the truth. Mm-hmm. We want to continue in our sin. We want to self-justify ourselves. We unbelievers are blinded to the light of the gospel because they yeah. serve Satan. And so that should change the way we interact with people. Yeah. Right. Like we can't, we believe we can't just argue someone into the kingdom. Right. The Father has to draw that person into the kingdom. The Spirit of God has to convert that person, right? Mm. And so that changes how we understand people. Again, I would say that is a wisdom piece. Mm-hmm. We got to, and it's part of knowing human nature, understanding um, what people are like. Yeah. Right? Well, none of us, we're, all of us are, have shepherd people for a long time, and we know people are full of contradictions. People are sinners. People are difficult. Yeah. Right. I heard it said, uh, people be peopling. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I say. (laughs) People be peopling, (laughs) which just means, you know, people do weird, contradictory things. They say they're hypocrites. We, we do all kinds of stupid. We're, we're stupid. A lot of times we Mm. we're foolish. We're finite. We make a lot of mistakes. And so, yeah, learning includes uh, that that piece learning how god made the world and then fitting ourselves into it mm. which is one of the problems well, I wasn't planning to go here but one of the problems with liberal uh, political thought and liberal theology mm. is they don't take the world as it is mm. they're trying to make the world in what they believe it should be Right. And so, oh, just think of like um, welfare for a sec, for a second. They look and they think, well, everybody should get an equal piece of the pie. Everybody should have a universal basic income. Everybody should mm. have a certain amount of money. And they say, well, that they, they see that. And they Well, that don't we all agree with that? We don't want anybody poor. OK, so the problem is the scripture teaches us the lazy man will flop on his bed over and over and over and poverty jumps on him mm. like an intruder in the night, right? So if you incentivize laziness, that man's going to continue to be lazy, mm. right? And then he's going, he's just, you know, he, he, he's going to eat up mm-hmm. some industrious man's wealth where the industrious man is giving. The Proverbs tells us the man gives and God continues to bless and multiply and, and brings increase to him. Why? because that's how the world works. If you take your seed and you give it, which means you you sow it into some endeavor, you're going to produce a harvest which is more than the seed that you put in the ground, mm-hmm. right? But if you're a lazy man or a person who can't put off, you see the seed and you're like, "Hey, I'm going to grind this up right now. I'm going to make I'm going to make mm-hmm. I'm going to make something to eat right now." Well, you'll feed yourself for that day, but you won't have a harvest tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right? And so what liberal political thought does is they, they, they don't have a proper anthropology 
of men as sinners who need discipline, who need responsibility, who need to take ownership, and they, they try to make the world into something they think it should be. And the only way they can do that is by actually taking resources from people who are industrious and who have already sown those seeds and have already made something and try to distribute it, distribute it to people who aren't living in line. Now, I know I'm making big general statements. I'm not saying every single person who's on welfare does that, yeah. but a large uh, swath of them do. And that's why the it, it, it has produced more poverty and it produced a greater dependency on the government and it doesn't produce people to, to industriousness. Now, conservative theology and conservative political thought has historically taken people, and I don't just mean Republicans here, by the way, because there's plenty of Republicans that are... That are overspending and, and wanting to give out all kind of incentives without responsibility just so they can get elected. But they have, they have taken a view of man that is more biblical, right? That we need to incentivize responsibility and ownership so that they, a person will, will grow up and be a productive member of society. So we should not reward, this is parenting 101, should not reward behavior that you don't want to see repeated. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so, so question here. Mm -hmm. um, so when you think of learning, why is it that people always only think of learning with school instead of the everyday life, instead of trades and, you know, hands on mm -hmm. learning, all those things? Well, I'd say, if I may, that's how we've been conditioned. Right. Mm -hmm. The educational system says, if you want to learn something, where do you go? Well, you go to a school. Yeah. I mean, and th again, this is in the last hundred years. I'm obviously, all of us have been born in the last hundred years and lived, but that has, you know, when we created a kind of a governmental public educational system, that was the system that we created. And so, and that's the result that we wanted, we wanted, right? And so there, um, I think that's just what most people are, are used to. Mm. But... I hope our, I hope people are seeing that that is, it's just not adequate. The education systems that we have today, <clears throat> they are educating people in a very narrow way, specifically towards careers, mm -hmm. and not in a more liberal fashion where they're getting, they're learning economics, they're learning philosophy, they're learning sciences, they're learning theology, like they used to. Mm -hmm. <coughs> And so they're coming out of school with a very, and they, they might even have a PhD, but their learning has been so narrow. We saw this in the pandemic. We had, you know, Fauci, who was educated in a very specific, narrow fashion, coming out giving governmental regulations and governmental rec recommendations for business owners and telling them they should close their business. Mm. And right away... <clears throat> Literally, I called a few people as soon as I heard this, and I was like, hold on. Economically, won't this cause, you know, an, an economic slowdown or, you know, some serious economic issues that could cause glo global poverty and deaths to actually increase? Like, I called some of my, eco my friends that took econ um, economics, and they're like, yeah, that's exactly what would happen. And so... What I did, I bought some economic books and started reading them because I knew right away, I was like, hold on, you got one guy who's worried about one thing, 
but the, the prescription might be worse than the disease right, right now, right? Whereas when our, our founding fathers, the way they were educated, they had an understanding of economics. They had an understanding of philosophy. They had an understanding of theology. They had an understanding of, of the morality and immorality of a, of a human being. And so they could think more comprehensive, right? Mm. But now you go and you go and you're an engineer, you probably never take philosophy, probably right. never, never take theology, probably never take American uh, civics, either civics or American government or something like that. Or if you do, it's one semester and you just blow through it, right? So yeah, our learning shouldn't be narrow. It should be broad. Mm. We should be, why? Because, well, scripture speaks on all of those issues, right? Yeah. Scripture speak on everything. And so we should want to study and understand kind of everything God said about everything, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's a problem in our society today. And I think it's something that, that I know it's something classical Christian education is trying to remedy and push back against. That's one of the reasons. I mean, one of their goals is to give people an education like the founding fathers had, like John Adams had, you know? And uh, I think that's a worthy endeavor, and that's good. <clears throat> um, the, other, the other piece of this is, like what he said, the hands-on, the hands-on hands piece of, of learning, the life-on-life -life aspect that we've all talked about here, <clears throat> learning through books, and learning through books is important. But there are some things that you have to experience. You have to live in order to, to really learn, learn them, you know? And it's interesting when Jesus said, come learn of me and come be my disciple, come follow me. The way he taught people wasn't strictly in a classroom setting, right? right. It was on the way. It was on the go. Mm -hmm. It was at weddings at feasts, <clears throat> encountering sinners, encountering demon-possessed people, encountering tax collectors and governmental authorities and religious authorities. And they were meant to learn how to live new lives by watching Jesus, right? Right. So there's a piece of this that has to be done, the way we say it around here, is in community and on mission. Right? We say this, the only way to make disciples is in community and on mission. Can you speak to that a bit, Sam? Yeah, you're kind of bringing in, you're kind of bringing all the aspects together here where in order to, to deploy your knowledge and, and execute it in a fashion of wisdom or skillful living, um, you have to have a context in which that stuff all gets played out. And it's, it's typically in a relational manner. All of life is uh, somehow relationally connected with, within um, within a relational ecosystem and learning how to take things that you learn from the scriptures or, or your understanding of how the world works and what our role inside of that world looks like and to do it alongside of other people. You have to have that context for that stuff to get worked out. And so you need those people there. Um, and obvi obviously that's the, the in-community aspect. And on mission is we're, we're trying to, to share the knowledge of the Lord abroad that everybody would come to know 
um, and understand the world as it is and who Christ is, the Lord over all things. So the in community and on mission, you're growing in your understanding, um, not just in an intellectual endeavor, but how things actually get played out in real life. Yeah. It's one thing to read it in a book. It's another thing to try to apply it in your family, right? You read a family discipleship book and then you, and you're, oh, okay, that's how you do it. Oh, cool. That's, that's easy. And then you sit down and try to do it. Mm-hmm. And it does, it does not go like the book said it goes most right. of the time. Right. <laughs> Amen. And so there's a, there's a, a cool pedagogical reality that we learn something. And then when we try to teach it, we, we come to grasp it yes. in deeper ways. Yep. Right. And that person pushes back on that idea and asks a question, offers an insight. And then you have to dialogue and you have to respond and you might be challenged to think deeper about it. And you might, they might say something that throws you completely for a loop and you got to go back and study it again. It's a different perspective. You got to go back and read it again. You got to study it again. You got to work through your mind. What was the argument? What was their pushback? How do I respond to that? How does scripture respond to this? And that relationship with taking the word of God, applying it to your own life, then trying to apply it to another person's life and teach it to them, that takes the truths of scripture and pushes it down deeper into your psyche. Like we always talk about here, like we're not just meant, we're not brains on a stick. We're not just meant to have ideas. Mm -hmm. Ideas have consequences. Our theology is meant to come out our fingertips. Mm -hmm. It's meant to take shape in what we love and how we behave and, and how we live. And there's a sense where if it's not coming out your fingertips. If, if what you say you believe isn't coming out your fingertips, then you don't really know it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So if you know scripture teaches that you should be a generous giver and yet you're not a generous giver, then you don't really know it. Right. You, you don't know it to the level that the scripture speaks about because mm-hmm. we should love God's law. Like it, we should desire it like honey. Right? Mm-hmm. It should be sweet to us. Mm-hmm. And if we know it like that and we love it like that and we desire it like that, then we're going to obey it like that. It's mm-hmm. going to come out our fingertips. Yeah. right? And if it's not, then we're never going to reproduce disciples of Jesus mm-hmm. in our children, in our missional communities, in our neighbors, in our city. Because you don't reproduce what you know you reproduce, reproduce who you are. Right. So you can tell your kids the Bible all day long. And yet, so like, let's say this, if, if, if a dad says all the right things about Bible and church and community and mission, and yet he love his genuine love is for hunting or his genuine love is the bears. Mm he's more likely to re- re- reproduce a Bears fan mm-hmm. or a hunter mm-hmm. than he is a Christian mm. because that's who he is. That's what he loves. Do you know what I mean? We reproduce what we love mm-hmm. and, yeah. and not just what we say or what, or what we, we think, which is kind of terrifying. Yeah, it is. Right? 
<clears throat> so Proverbs 10, 14 say, says, the wise lay up knowledge. And what this means is the wise lay up knowledge. I'll say it like this. The wise have a big uh, library. And I don't just mean that physically, but I mean the ability to interact with a lot of different ideas. They have the ability, they understand what the, they understand. Um, think of your bank account, right? Your bank account is where you store up your money. Well, the wise have a bank account of learning, a bank account of knowledge that they've stored up, right? If you sit down with somebody who's wise, it's pretty cool because they can talk about almost anything. You know, they, they can talk about politics, they can talk about finances, they can talk about vehicles and cars and what NASA's doing, and they can talk about, I mean, you're just like, whoa, this guy is a learner. This guy has got a, a large storehouse of knowledge that he's got stored up, and that enables him to do a lot of different things. One, it enables him to relate to people. Like if you meet somebody and this guy starts talking about hunting, oh yeah, yeah, and you know a little bit about that, boom, you can relate to that person. This guy starts talking about politics, you can relate to him. And it allows you to relate to people. It also, it, it makes you become a person that others will seek out for guidance. Right, you'll have your neighbor stop by and say, "Hey, man, I want to get your opinion on this. I'm thinking about doing da 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 da," or people in your missional community. And um, the, the scriptures say that's what a, a wise person does. A wise person is meant to build this large library of biblical truth and wisdom and learning, so that he can live wisely in the world, but also train his kids to live wisely and also be a light in a, in a dark place. Mm, right. Yeah. Which will, again, I, this is, I wasn't planning on this, but going back to 2020 and COVID, there were, a, there were very few pastors who had that wise, large swath of wisdom and learning where they understood historically times where this has ha this had happened before and the overreach that was probably coming by the government, the, there was a very few pastors that could actually warn us of that, that actually had the, the learning to be able to help instruct us, right? A lot of us were just going with the motions because we didn't, you know, we were young and we didn't have that learning. And, you know, I, I, I was one of those. I didn't have, uh, you know, enough learning in the categories of, like I said before, economics and um, what the government, what kind of control the government can have over the lives of its citizens. What does the Bible really teach about mm -hmm. civil disobedience and what Caesar can and what Caesar can't do? And mm -hmm. um, and so we, a lot of us weren't prepared. And so thankfully there were a few men who were, and we could lean into those, but those men were few and far between. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that just goes to show, like the the idea of the wise storing up knowledge. Um, it's it's this it's this reservoir of of information that is accessible when it's necessary. So yeah. we went so long without needing to draw from those bank accounts, 
But then the whys had that stuff already right at their fingertips that when it did come up. And it took a lot of people some time to catch up as well, but they, they were at least able to say, go back from their learning and share, here, here's the biblical truths, here's, here's history to learn from, and pr- present a pretty logical argument for some of their positions on things that not everybody caught up to speed on quickly. Which, which is why C.S. Lewis said, for every new book you read, you yes. should read an old book, like a dead guy book, because he says that you get the, the cool sea breeze of the centuries blowing through your mind. And here's an analogy that I, that I use or a metaphor that I use or a real life situation that I've heard this couple weeks, this past couple weeks. There's a Polynesian tribe who inhabited this island because they, they had learned how to make these amazing canoes that could navigate the sea and they would, they would fish out of these canoes and they were just, you know, uh, that's how they fed their tribes. And over the generations, these, these canoes were kind of passed down from one generation to another. And then by whatever, the third or fourth generation, the tribesmen had actually forgotten how to build these canoes. Mm. And so when these canoes begin to break apart and disintegrate and they, the, the tribe literally starved to death because they, they lost that, we could say it like this, they, they lost the learning of, of the technology of the day, how to make mm. these these special canoes that could go out into the sea and get all this in the deep sea and get all this, do all this fishing. Well, the tribe lost that ability. And then they, they literally starved to death on this Island because of that. And, and I think about that, that generational proclivity, even today that we have forgotten what the founding fathers wrote. We have forgotten what the declaration of independence says. We've forgotten what our constitution says. Many of us, we have forgotten what the preachers were preaching during the Revolutionary War and the biblical reasons they were giving for, for the resistance to the government and they wanted um, you know, representation. We've forgotten a lot of those things. There's, mm-hmm. there's so many things that if we don't continue to learn, we will forget. And then when the situation arises again, which you know, the way things are looking, it looks like we're moving in that direction. Will we, be, will we have the men and women who are educated biblically in those principles that they, that they could respond the way whatever our founding fathers responded, yeah. right? It's an important or just, or as a Christian should respond when the government, um, you know, tries to do something that the government is not uh, biblically assigned to do. Yeah. So it's, I think it's important, man. I, I think it's really important for us <clears throat> to be lifelong learners. Yeah. And um, you can learn a lot of different ways. We talk about it, books. You can listen to audiobooks. Obviously, the scriptures. God gave us a book for a reason. You can, um, and I, I think reading, reading is a um, perishable skill. Yeah. So like I said, I've gotten to be a pretty good reader, but the past five months, I've been I've, uh, working hands-on in the building and when you're a contractor and you're working in the construction trades, you know, you can listen to audiobooks, but your body's moving constantly. Your body's mm-hmm. moving and you're on the go all the time. And, and there's a kind of a, a little bit of a frenetic pace. Yeah. And this week, as I've been in the building and I haven't really had anything to do in our new building, and I've been trying to get back into my rhythms of slowing down and meditating and studying, it's been a lot more difficult. Mm. Like it's a perishable skill. If you don't do it, you lose it. Yeah. And it gets harder. 
and what, what, what ruins your ability to sit down and meditate and study, uh, social media does. Amen. And watching TV all the time, screens do, videos, you know, like frenetic pace, being super busy all the time, having your phone buzz you and chirp at you all the time. All of those things um, are not conducive to being a wise person. Yep. They're not. And, and many of us, we think, oh, hey, I can just Google it. I can just Google it. Well, until you can't or until you see now how the government has even influenced Google and Google search results and social media results and they can, they can um, fact check, I'm doing air quotes here, they can fact check things and put their own information. And as AI is becoming more popular, there's people and sensors behind AI that can filter you false information. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't just say, oh yeah, I can Google that real quick. Like, no, you need to be a learner. You need to be able to, to read. Um, I think it was, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, but someone said, the man who doesn't read has no advantage over the man who can't read. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some of us are functionally illiterate. In the day and age where there's a glut on information and a glut on books and you can order any, nearly anything at your fingertip through Amazon, many of us are functionally illiterate just yeah. because we don't, we don't read. Yeah. You know? So uh, is there anything else in here that I haven't talked about, Kevin, that you're looking at? No, that's the high points. So that was at least attributed to Mark Twain, your quote. There we go. I knew it was Mark Twain. I forgot. I Almost forgot always. his name. I was thinking <laughs> um, Huck Finn, and I couldn't come up with a name <laughs> right away. So, yeah, it's, it's Mark Twain. So learning... And at Sacred City, we want to do that in community and on mission. So what that practically looks like for us is we want to learn the gospel and the truths of Scripture in the context of a missional community where someone knows us well enough when we give... Sometimes you'll hear like, oh, that's a good Bible answer. You say the right answer like a Sunday school lesson, and yet your wife knows... Well, yeah, that's the right answer, but that's not what he really believes. He doesn't actually do that, Mm. right? Or your missional community brother knows, well, that's the right answer, but that's not what you really believe, you know? Mm. Oh, yeah, I've forgiven that person. No big deal. And then somebody in your missional community knows, but you were just gossiping about them yesterday, Mm. and you told me how upset you were and how Mm. bothered by them, right? There's a difference between knowing the right thing to do is to forgive a person than actually forgiving a person. And we want to be a church that actually forgives, that actually lives out the scriptures, that we have brothers and sisters that love us enough to press us and go, I know that's the right answer, but is that really what's coming out your fingertips? Mm -hmm. Right? Or are you angry and you're clamorous and you're frustrated and you're bitter? Okay, well then you don't really believe that yet. And we need to kind of get down in that, what's going on in your heart. And we need to... Show, shine a light on it, allow you to confess it and repent it, and then preach the gospel to it. Yeah. So then when you, when you feel forgiven, you're more likely to f- forgive, mm, yeah. right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> so that's why we do things in community and on mission. And we do think that's the only way, man. There's a big difference between being Bible answer man than actually being a disciple of Jesus. 
the, when, when, when Peter and disciples preach in the, in the book of Acts, they didn't say, man, these guys really know the scriptures. You know, these guys are really educated men. No, they said, these guys were uneducated men and we can tell that they have been with Jesus. Yeah. Right, that there was a, there was a relational dynamic to their knowledge that these men picked up something from Jesus and when they went out in the world, they were different. And here's the beautiful truth that, I, that I'm trying to prepare people for. And I think, well, there's lots of pastors that are doing it now. Uh, but we're growing up in a world that's increasingly secular and increasingly pagan and increasingly foolish. And stupid doesn't work on the long term, right? right? You, you know, going against the way God made the world doesn't work long-term. Our society is headed for, you know, a train wreck, mm. barring a, a revolution and, and, and a revival. But wisdom always works. Yeah. I'm not saying, hey, we can be persecuted, we can be crucified, like we can be thrown in jail, like, but wisdom works. So if you become a wise person, a learner, when the rest of the things tank, you will be there to lead your family. You will be there to be a leader in your community. People will look to you when the stuff hits the fan to lead, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and that's, I think that's what the church needs to prepare, prepare for right now. The rest of the society is careening off a cliff and we need to be going like, yep, we know you're going there, but we're not going with you and we'll be here when you hit the ground and we'll help you rebuild civilization. Yep. Yeah. We did it when Rome fell. And we can do it again. Mm-hmm. You know, we can do it when, when, when and if America has the, the same fate. Yeah. If we're becoming actual learners with biblical worldviews. If we're just like the rest of the world, then we're, we're going we're gonna to go off the cliff with them. Mm-hmm. Right? We're going to follow. Here, we, here's something we should, we should realize. Like the past couple of years have shown us there's a lot of sheep in America. Yeah. There's a lot of people that just follow blindly whatever the government says for them to do. Yeah. They'll put whatever they want, whatever the government tells them to put in their body, they'll put in their body. And now we're seeing all kind of negative ramifications from that. And, you know, and so what's the government going to tell us to do next when it comes to climate change or when it comes to whatever thing it, they want to push down our throats? Um, we, need, we need wise people. Yeah. Right? And that comes from being a learner. All right. Well, that is the identity of learner and the rhythm of learner. Or, and the, uh, the, the spiritual discipline of learner. If you guys have any questions, I'd love to hear them. So you can email me at justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. We love you guys. We're praying for you. God bless.